I'm Lisa Leahy, and I'm the host of Pictures and Conversations, a rabbit hole book club. Each month on the 20th, I'm joined by a group of fellow book lovers, and we discuss a book in our typically nerdy fashion. As we continue to not talk about the book that we're not supposed to talk about. (laughs) I admittedly, too, I'm totally weird about the way I read things. Um, Sometimes I just completely devour books, and and I'm usually reading three or four at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just pick up whatever strikes my mood. I have something I read before I go to bed, and I I read murder mysteries before bed. Uh, But I, I liked it good enough. Like... No, it doesn't go super deep into developing these characters. Definitely not. Is it Harry Potter for adults? Absolutely no. not. I... Anyway, you can find Pictures and Conversations, a rabbit hole book club podcast, anywhere you get your podcasts or on our home website, rabbitholepodcasts.com. I am going to tell a story that I don't think I've ever told anybody before. And this happened when I was 19 years old. So the statute of limitations, I think, should have ended by now. Uh, I'm going to tell you the story about the first and last time that I both went to a rave and when I did ecstasy. So I was 19 years old and I'm friends, uh, my still good friend, Bill, and he was dating a girl named Julie. Uh, Julie was, to put it nicely, a little more wild than both of us were. And she had interesting connections among people in our town. And through these connections in these towns, she discovered that just on the outside of the city of Chicago, uh, in some abandoned building somewhere, that right now, if you were to ask me where this was, I would have no fucking clue where this was, uh, there was a rave going on. Now, to anyone who is about the age of 20 and younger, uh, a rave was just basically a big, giant techno party with very loud music and glow sticks. And that's just basically what you did for about eight hours in an abandoned building. Um, They were huge in the 90s. Um, And so Bill and I, we've never been to a rave before. And we decide, let's just let's just fucking live. We're 19. We're going on 20. Let's just fucking do it. So we say, all right, fine. We'll go. So we get into a uh, one of Julie's friend's cars. And there's like eight of us crammed in this tiny ass, like, I don't even know what car it was, a Ford or something. And we're driving about 45 minutes outside of Chicago. And we are in, I will say, a pretty sketchy part of town. Town that, you know, me being from the south side of Chicago, I was still a little eh about being in. But we were there for a party, a rave. We get there, and it was about 20 bucks, I think, to get in, if I remember correctly. And I'm like, this is kind of cool. You know, the music was very loud. It was very techno-y electronica style music uh there was a dj on a stage playing the music it was dark except for these flashing lights everywhere i felt very bad for anyone who was who had seizures and um it was kind of a cool vibe and you know might have partaked in some illegal alcohol beverages because we were 19 um but then somebody handed me something that i didn't think about at the time because i was having such a great time and i was dancing with a girl she was pretty cute and she was kind of into me and then i got handed this thing it looked like like it was a tablet it looked like maybe like an aspirin or a pill of some kind and without just thinking about it i i don't know it was a reflex i can't explain it i just put it on my mouth and swallowed it with some beer and then and then it was at that point i decided to ask what was that you just gave me and at that point the stranger that i was dancing with said it was e um which was the cool way of saying ecstasy and so I started freaking out because the hardest drug I've ever taken at that point in my life was marijuana. And because I'm a lame And so I'm like, great. Then I'm like, you know what? Let's just see what happens. Simultaneously, a lot of things happened. Um, sound starting to get into my head as if someone had a drill and was boring the sound directly into my eardrums. 
the lights simultaneously were dark and bright at the same time. And suddenly everything just felt wonderful. And I meant felt in the terms of any time I put my hands on something, it was the best goddamn feeling I've ever had in my life. And me freaking out and it went away. And the part of me that was like, holy shit, this is fucking amazing, started taking over my body. I became a completely different person from this point in the night. And at this moment, I realized a couple of things. One, um, this is probably going to be the greatest I've ever felt in my life. And two, I had no idea where my friend Bill was, nor Julie. Uh, It should be noted that Bill and Julie were dating at the time, if I had not said that already. And uh, they were just kind of gone from this party. And I'm just standing in the middle of this abandoned building with, like, thousand of strangers on a drug that I didn't really know what was doing listening to music that I'm not really into and then I was like panicking because then the thought of oh shit how am I going to get home kicked in the stranger that I was dancing with turned into a different stranger that I was dancing with who then turned into a third stranger that I was dancing with until I was by myself at the edge of the dance floor and then I didn't know where to go from there. So next thing I remember, I'm outside and this is about the summer. So it was pretty warm. And if anyone who knows me knows me very well, I get hot really easily. And plus I think the, the E did not help any with my body temperature. So I was already pouring sweat. So I'm, I'm outside and I just start looking for the car. Cause now I'm just trying to get home. Um, and then little did I know that, uh, my friends, Bill and Julie decided to go into the car and to have a little makeout session because they too were on E and they took that really good feeling that you get when you're on E to like a second level that I only would have wished I could have reached that night. And so, unbeknownst to me, after I found the car and I opened it, I saw them having the sex. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And then, because I didn't know how to react, because my social skills went out the window, I just stood there for a full minute, seeing them naked. And then I'm like, oh, okay. And then I just started walking away. Um, Bits and pieces after that kind of come in and out of my memory when I think back to this night. I do know at some point I was just sitting in the middle of a grassy field, just staring at the stars at one point. Um, And then I think someone else found me and they were kind of worried about me. But then eventually Bill and Julie stopped having the sex and uh, put me into their car. And then uh, we eventually went to a IHOP where I'm going to say right now, having pancakes on ecstasy is just a whole other feeling that I don't know if I can even describe into words. Um, but I would recommend maybe not doing it because that would involve trying to find E in this day and age. And I don't even know if it exists anymore. That's how old I am. Um, but anyway, I decided after that to never take ecstasy again. And I've never been to a rave since. Now, do I wish that I went to a rave again? Kind of. Do I want to take E again? Not really. I would like to experience it not super high out of my mind. But at the same time, it's an experience. But I don't believe I've ever told that story on any podcast. And I have like a thousand podcasts where I talk about literally stuff. So there you go. There's your scoop of the week. Enjoy that if you will. Go came out on April 9th, 1999, was budgeted for $20 million, and it earned back $28.5 million. The film didn't do very well when it came out, I think because critics and audiences didn't know what the hell to do with this movie. Um, It would eventually uh, become a cult classic. It would get put out on VHS and then DVD, and then it would just get like a big underground following if you will um 
but yeah, it's 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 at a it's at a ninety one percent of Rotten Tomatoes. If that means anything to you. Oh, we have a shit ton of stars to the point where I don't even know who to start with. So I'm just going to go with the Wikipedia here and say this stars William Fickner, who is your character actor from the 90s and 2000s. He is basically that guy guy who shows up in a lot of shit. Uh, If you've seen his face, you Google him, you look at his face, you're like, oh, that fucking guy. Yeah, he's in this. Uh, we got Scott Wolf, who was pretty big on Party of Five. Um, kind of had a movie career in the 90s, going into the 2000s, and he just kind of disappeared out of the limelight. Um, according to Wikipedia, he still kind of makes movies and some TV shows. But, surprise, surprise, he has found himself in the Hallmark film hell and has appeared... In a few of those, so yeah, good for you, Scott Wolf. Sure. Then we have Jay Moore, um, which makes me wonder what the hell happened to Jay Moore because he was pretty popular. Question mark on Saturday Night Live, kind of had a film career in the '90s and then kind of disappeared. Uh, we got Sarah Polly, um, who I would argue is the main focal point of this movie and really, I think, should be credited first. But again, what the hell do I know? Uh, Timothy Oliphant shows up. And uh, boy, if you only know T- Timothy Oliphant from his more recent stuff, watching him in this is going to be a shock to your system. Uh, we have Katie Holmes, who I am surprised this is the first time that Katie Holmes is appearing on this podcast, considering she was a late 90s darling. Uh, then we got Tay Diggs, uh, Breck and Meyer, because you can't have a 90s movie without Breck and Meyer. Uh, and then you're getting down into, like, interest, like, oh, hey, this was kind of, they were in this? Um, we have Jane Krakowski, who was in a few scenes, and then for one scene, we get Melissa McCarthy. So, this movie sort of has it all. Uh, and I should note that the director is Doug Lyman. Uh, who prior to this film uh, directed Swingers, and then after this movie, he would do The Born Identity, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, uh, Jumper, and then Edge of Tomorrow, uh, which is such a varied uh, career choice in terms of directing that I don't even know what to do with this information. Today on That's the Bomb, yo, I welcome my friend and fourth time appearing on this show, Dylan Fields, as we tell you why Go is a hella rad movie from the 90s. You come here out of the blue asking for 20 hits, just so happens 20 is the magic number where intent to sell becomes trafficking? Todd, I would never fuck you like that. How would you fuck me? I know it's up for me. Hello, everybody. Welcome to That's the Bomb, yo. 90 Hello Red Movies from the 90s. I am your host, Jason Soto. Joining me for the fourth time, record-breaking fourth time, is Dylan Fields. Hi, Dylan. What's up? What's up, Mr. Soto? All I do is break records. That's all you do is break records. (laughs) Was that a quote from someone, or did you actually just make that up? That sounds like a quote from someone. I I think I just made it up. Oh, okay, cool. I just came here to drink beer and kick ass and and break podcast records, and I'm all out of beer and ass kicking. Yes, indeed. Yeah, you (laughs) have been the most frequent guest on this podcast, and this is only the 41st episode. Well, um, and, and I'm not stopping. I want to get to like ten <laughs> of the nineties. Okay, because you want to be in the ninetieth episode? Is that what it is? It, it makes sense because this is this is my decade, right? So yeah, yeah, when yeah. You, when you put out the call, and especially nineteen nine is my year. Oh yeah, uh, that's true. You, you, you're speaking to me. I I just want to point out from your story that uh, it's been longer since this movie came out than from when the movie came out to when you were born. Mm-hmm. It, it's old 
So when you're wondering why you haven't heard from some people or whatever, it's oh. because it's been 24 <laughs> fucking years. I guess that's fair. I guess that's fair. It doesn't seem like it, I don't think. No, it is really um, weird. It's 24 years ago. Yeah. I This is, I mean. This is 1999, April of 1999, to top that. Um, there, there's um, certain, certain movies and certain times where, you know, they feel old or whatever. I don't feel that this movie is very dated. I'm sure it kind of is to certain people. Just lack of cell phones might have solved several key points or things like that. <laughs> they but had a cell phone in this movie. It feels like it has a very modern sensibility. No, I mean well, smartphones. But well, yes, okay, good, but... fair point. All right. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. Um, yeah. So um, 1999. This is one of the fabled films that came out in 99 that I think, and I know you agree with me, was like a damn kick-ass movie that came out that year. Of course, yes, uh, 100%. Um, I I don't remember when I saw it first. I mm-hmm. don't think I saw it in the theater. Um, I definitely didn't see it in theater. I think I had to wait till VHS. It's possible. Um, I mean, I was basically the target audience. I was uh, 22 mm-hmm. when this came out. Um, so, yeah, I was... Definitely who they were trying to reach. Yeah, I was 19. Uh, um, but yeah, like you say, it came out in a weird time, I think. Uh, uh, doesn't feel like an April movie per se. No, because it's wink, a Christmas wink. movie. It's a Christmas okay. yeah, movie. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to no, steal we can your do line it. No, let's do it right now. This is a, this, so it's a fucking Christmas movie. The reason why I'm, I picked this episode to air on when I did, because next week, as this is going up, is going to be Christmas. And I was looking at the list, and I was like, is there any more Christmas movies? And I landed on Go, and I know Go takes place on Christmas Eve. If not, and then eventually Christmas Day. And I was like, well, there you go. So, um, But, um, yeah, so this type of movie, so Go, um, to anyone who maybe not has seen it, this is one of those films where it's like a – action comedy type of thing where um, there's just so much crazy shit that's just happening to people. Well, let me jump in real quick. I might save you some breath because you, you, you mentioned something about, uh, you know, it kind of made back its money, but it didn't really take off despite mm-hmm. there was no Rotten Tomatoes, but retroactively, it's a very well-received movie. Right, um, right. This came out, as we've said, 1999. Mm-hmm. In, in the five years between Pulp Fiction and Go, there were loads of knockoffs. Oh, yeah. Most of them were shitty. Mm-hmm. And I imagine uh, people just looked at this and was like, oh, it's fractured timelines. It's it's an action crime comedy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's trying to be pop culture-y. Mm-hmm. So it, it sucks. I think people <laughs> just made up their mind for whatever reason. Maybe they didn't know or like the cast enough because mm-hmm. as as you see if you read like the trivia of this uh, they didn't want two tv actors and they ended up with two tv actors and sarah yeah. polly was an unknown and timothy oliphant was an unknown and mm-hmm, it's like mm-hmm. jay moore wasn't really a big deal no none of these people were a big deal yeah so, so who was really selling it in 1999 and yeah Katie for Holmes. whatever reason for whatever reason they it just got shoved under the carpet more or less, or, or I would argue a shitty that. release. I would argue against that because this is ninety nine. Katie Holmes by then was in a lot of movies. By then, she was, she was basically a like a like a you know. I guess I won't say was, a household she name? disturbing. She was in <laughs> Dawson's Creek and disturbing behavior. What else? And um, uh, hang on, I gotta pull up. You're making me pull up. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna beat you to it. <laughs> She was um, in the Ice Storm '97, disturbing behavior. Those, those are the only two movies she was in before this. Okay, but then um, um, you said Dawson's Creek. That was a Dawson's huge Creek. show. But sure, it was huge for the WB or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Varsity Blues didn't exactly make uh, a boatload of money. Um, probably did better than this, but uh, getting well, sidetracked. I mean, I don't know. That does make me think. I did not ever watch the trailer for this, so I don't know who's in the trailer, uh, like who they focus on. Um, now that makes me wonder. 
But at the same time, I mean, you're right about almost everybody else. Like most of the everyone else came famous later. Yeah, they might have been around and on on smaller or indie type things. I mean, I'm sure we were all familiar with those people because we're big into movies and always have been. But yeah, they, yeah. none of them were big names. Not big I mean, names, no. She, she might have been the biggest name. Yeah. But that's not exactly saying much. She's like the second lead on a WB show. And she wasn't the main <laughs> focal point of the movie. Right. Like, it was Sarah Polly's character. Yeah, she's like was... fourth at best. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's interesting right there. Um, but, yeah. So, I, yeah, that's a good theory about why this movie didn't do good in theaters. It, it might have just been people were tired of the Pulp Fiction clones, and they might have just... Because there were a slew of movies like this that did come out around oh, this yeah. time. Um, like, this was out, Two Days in the Valley was out, and there was, like, a shit ton of, like, direct-to-video movies like this that came out. Um, so, yeah, it might have just been by this point people were tired of it, but then they're like, hey, there's a rave happening. We're going to center a movie around the rave, which is popular at this time. You know, it's what the kids are into. You can just see some, like, some like cigar-smoking guy at Columbia, like, what are the kids into nowadays? And like, well, <laughs> raves are pretty big. All right, make a movie about raves. I don't care. Here's Here's... Uh, what I say it was, here's $20 million. Go. Go. <laughs> um, by the way, if you make a drinking game of how many times they do say go in this movie, you're going to be hammered by ha- halfway through. Um, okay. It is a pretty common word. We, I mean. True. They do say it a lot in this movie. True. Um, okay, Dylan. Yes. This movie's broken up into about three stories ish, three and a half ish, if you count Claire at, at the end with right. Todd. Which one is your favorite? Which part of this section of this movie is your favorite? <laughs> like, if you had to rank them, what would be your number one? Uh, I, I'm, it's really hard for me not to pick the guys in Vegas, but. Right? <laughs> yeah. But, that, but that's because I have my own set of, of of likes and 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 habits and whatnot uh i i really enjoy their segment uh it's a lot of fun to see i i always just like seeing anything old like i said 24 years old i like seeing anything old that was filmed in vegas, vegas so that, okay, that, yeah. that's kind of a, a a thing on its own but that has nothing to do with when it came out it's probably rana's rana's is the best story okay um okay because now, now I'm getting confused. Hold on. Does, so <laughs> Rana's and and the two guys, those are two. They're different the ones stories, that sort right? of they sort of yeah. overlap. They end up overlapping. They overlap, but they're two different stories. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, and then the Vegas is the British guy who worked at the grocery store. No, I take it all back. It's it's the only one I didn't mention. It, it's it's Jay Moore and Scott Wolf. It's theirs. Okay, the I, two I guys. Like, okay. I think theirs the best. I don't. Okay, know. I like them all. I can't choose. Okay, that's that's fine. Um, I do I do think the Vegas part is actually probably a little bit better, um, just because of the a mere amount of shit that they go through. <laughs> In, like, a 12-hour span. Like, it's not even, like, a full 24. It's, like, within 12 hours. We got this British guy who's never been to Vegas. He gets dragged to Vegas in the trunk of the car because he passed out. Uh, but then he wakes up. And then uh, Breckenmeyer thinks he's black because his great-great-grandmother <laughs> was black. Um, we do get a wonderful scene of Breckenmeyer saying the N-word. I thought that was really interesting. Um then they end up eating a uh, roadside shrimp from a diner, and they get food poisoning. Oh no, that's at a va- that's it. That's at a casino. They're at a buffet. Oh, because oh, yeah. they were still driving when they were okay. Well, wherever they got they got food poisoning from some shrimp. Yeah, that, that's the point. And so they're in the hotel room. So uh, so Tay Diggs and uh, Simon, the British dude, go out gambling. The British dude loses all of his money. So then he just crashes a wedding, um, a Jewish wedding. On top of that. Uh, happy Hanukkah, everybody. And uh, he hooks up with two bridesmaids. Um, and a fire gets started in the hotel room that they're having sex in. So he has a threesome. Uh, then a fire gets started. And then he gets uh, uh, he uh, runs to Tay Diggs, who people mistake has a guy that works at the hotel. He's wearing this crappy yellow 
sports jacket thing that looks like a valet's jacket. <laughs> so everybody thinks he works there. <laughs> well, the, the larger intimation there is that the, 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 the guy with his car is an asshole who thinks the black guy is just well, working there. And that too, yeah. So he so, tosses him his keys and Tay Diggs they says, steal the, the car. Fuck? It's a Ferrari. I'm going to take it. They steal the car. They go to a strip club uh, where they learn about the no touching rule. But they Simon immediately breaks the rule. And so the bouncer gets all pissed off. Oh, and there was a gun in the car. Because, of course, there's a gun in the car. And uh, they pull the gun out, accidentally shoot the bouncer. And so then they get chased. And this is probably the coolest part of the movie is this little car chase thing through Vegas. Um, because they run to the hotel to get Breckenmeyer and the other guy. And they have to bribe this kid to sneak into a room to run from the bouncers. <laughs> and then they get to their crappy car. And then there's this car chasing that in real life, that car would have like been dead two minutes into this chase. I don't know how that car made it out of Vegas when it did. Because it gets stuck in an alley. It does the Austin Powers thing where it's going back and forth <laughs> into the alley. And then the truck rams into it. And it's like, okay. Sure. And then they escape. And the truck, the bouncers overturn. Uh, but they ended up using uh, this guy named Todd's credit card. So they think Todd is the guy. Now, Todd is played by Timothy Oliphant. Now, did you forget that Timothy Oliphant was in this movie? Of course not. Okay, you because I completely. This is forgot. what I this is what I came to know Timothy Oliphant from and loved Timothy oh, Oliphant from okay. because he was fucking Todd Gaines. He's Todd Gaines. Um, <laughs> yes. you, you said something earlier about how if you hadn't seen him lately, blah blah blah, and I was gonna say, uh, didn't you ever see the girl next door? No, because he's more. Oh, you should. He uh, it's a it's a fun movie, and he's mm. more or less playing the same character. Oh, really? Or at least same kind of personality. He's oh, not okay. the same character. He's not oh, a yeah, drug yeah, dealer. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. if you like the Timothy Olfant you see in this, that's the kind of guy he is okay. in that. And when you see him in those two movies, this one and that, you're like, this guy is a fucking star. He should be mm-hmm. <laughs> leading. And you, you, you come to understand how and why he got things like Justified. And Justified, why he, yeah, he, yeah. Why he's so beloved in that type of role. And see, that's because... where... I... That's where I know him from now, because I have seen Justified, and it, it really is such a, oh man, okay. Because <laughs> he looks different, and yeah, he's like, to me, he's like a different guy, and it's like, oh shit, that's Timothy Oliphant, okay. Um, there, there's a lot of people that are great in this movie, but he's the one that I think the first time you watched it, you were like, who's that fucking guy? That guy's great. Yeah. <laughs> No, and so what's funny too about his character, since we're talking about him, is I like how this is such a sign of the '90s, because they were like, "He's a drug dealer." Oh my god, watch out! He does, he deals drugs, so he's obviously dangerous, and we can't be alone with him. And Claire, uh, Katie, uh, Katie Holmes' character is like scared to be with him, because uh, they end up leaving her behind as collateral, so she can go get the extra hundred that she owes him. And then she's like, I don't want to stay with him. He's a drug dealer. But like now it's like in 2023, you're like, he's a drug dealer. <laughs> well, to be fair, in the in the movie, he is dangerous. He was going to kill her for four hundred dollars or whatever. But he wouldn't he not have been justified? Ah. <laughs> no, okay. Pun aside. He, she did screw him over. Like, she did, but you know, is it worthy of death? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't know if she was in it. Was I don't, was he gonna? Was he actually gonna didn't kill he, her? Didn't he have a gun? He out? had a gun. No, when he's walking in in the parking lot after her, he's holding a gun. Is yeah, he he's not? holding a gun. Yeah. Yes. So he's not a, he's not coming to like uh, uh, slap her on the wrist. I don't know. Maybe I I I don't know. And the only reason he doesn't do anything is because he thinks somebody else did. Yeah, because a car, who we don't know who it is at first, hits her and flings her into a ditch. Um, and... I, I, I want to go back real quick to your question about which of the three stories, because I was sitting yeah. there thinking about it. Sure. The, the Vegas one's so entertaining, mm-hmm. but it feels like the least important to the story. Of course, they all have links and they all overlap a lot. Yeah. But Rana's and then Adam and Zach's are very heavily intertwined. So you f- and if Rana's the lead character of the movie, if anybody is, mm-hmm. then 
the whole Vegas one, it's like, what are the real links? Well, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, British guy, Simon. Simon. Um, so Simon works with her, but and there's that, and then they use the credit card. But outside of that, it's just kind of all just an entertaining. <laughs> aside right well yeah no it's like it's like a side quest yeah um yeah there's um, nothing wrong with but no yeah it's just it, um it might just be a way to also like end the movie because they end up it ends know, up tying it all together when, all, when, he, when the guys from vegas come yeah back. yeah yeah it, and that's 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 why this movie is so enjoyable because it's not just three disparate stories. It's three blended stories with different time shifts and different yeah. perspectives. Mm -hmm. And the way that they all blend together is just chef's kiss. Yeah, it's very clever how they actually manage to tie at least Rana's and uh, Adam and Zach's story together. And that we get to see how they intertwine with each other throughout the whole movie. Because, yep. you know, it starts with Rana's point of view and you just see... Um, she's ringing up these two guys, and buying a bunch of orange juice. Buying a bunch of orange juice, and they they ask for Simon, who deals them drugs, and she decides to take his spot. And so then she ends up going to Todd's, who was Simon's dealer, to get the drugs. And um, and then when she goes to drop off the drugs, she gets this very uncomfortable feeling, like something's up. Like she notices something's up. So she 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 disposes of the drugs in the toilet, and then leaves. Um, then it's not till later when we get to Adam and Zach's story we find out what's going on, that they're working with a cop named Burke, played brilliantly. I'm sure he's your favorite actor, right? Like I feel like yeah, I've heard you talk <laughs> he's, about he's, he's how much there. you like William I've been, Fickner. I've, I've been a champion of William Fickner for a long, <laughs> long time, and this movie again is a big reason <laughs> this is, why. This is, he is wonderful in this because he plays a dude the entire time from the first time you see him on screen till the last time you see him on screen. You have no idea what the fuck this dude is about. Like, what is he like? What is going on with him? Because he just all you know is he's weird. intense. Yeah. Yeah. He's just really fucking weird. And like both Adam and Zach are like almost secretly terrified of him. But they got to work with him because they're he's going to sign a release. Um saying that they what was it? they got busted for drugs yeah they got busted for drugs so they're gonna wear a wire to try and bust these uh, other people the, for, and then for selling ecstasy yeah yeah, yeah. so then they'll get out for... yeah and then he and then after the whole thing with rana falls through he invites them over to dinner and then and then we get this whole like sub layer where we find out over the course of their story that they're gay it's not immediately known and, you know, Katie Holmes makes a reference when they go by her, like, oh, man, gay men, they're so hot. But I think we're supposed to think at that point, like, she's not understanding it. Like, she just thinks that they are. But it's not until later we learn they actually are gay. And then it gets to this whole, like, actually like a sub, because so, they're soap opera actors. But they become, like, soap opera stars themselves because they found that they slept with the same guy. <laughs> And then, and that's why they go to the rave is to get revenge on him by cutting his hair. Of course, because that's just—I think that's just like a Hollywood thing. Like, how do we fuck this guy up? Let's mess with his hair, because obviously, well, he's Jimmy the hairstylist, right? Yeah, so that's that's how we're gonna get back at him. Um, but then the, the entire time they're at Burke's house, like they keep thinking Burke's trying to make a move on. Either is he one gay, of them. right? Yeah, because he, despite cause, being married to Jane Krakowski, yeah, and then like uh, Jay Moore's character gets out, and <laughs> Burke is just stark naked, <laughs> just standing there naked, and he's like, he's like, the way I smell, well, I smell good, don't I? This is a good cologne. <laughs> touch, touch the bed. <laughs> touch the bed. He pushed him on the bed. Yeah, <laughs> I, was like, I remember watching this the first time. I'm like, what? This guy is making me uncomfortable. <laughs> What is this guy all about? It turns out he's trying to sell what's basically Amway, which I don't know how the hell to explain Amway in this day and age. Because like the closest thing I could think of it is like a, a, a MLM. It was basically the '90s version of a, of a MLM. It was the MLM, yes. Yeah, that's basically just what Amway was, um, and that's just all that you wanted. <laughs> And I'm um, trying to grow his network, man. To, yeah. 
they're, they're gonna actors. Be, they know people. They're going to be the third highest selling <laughs> uh, team this year if they can they can get it. <laughs> um, but anyway, they accident they end up going to the rave to go get, get revenge on Jimmy. They're the ones who accidentally run over Rana, and then they realize that uh, Scott Wolf's character is still wearing the wire. And I love the sheer panic on their face. Even though I'm pretty sure they, the the people who had the wire, like that's their equipment was Turned not it off even hours ago. Yeah, but they still were all paranoid that they heard like the murder happened. Them talking about the murder, <laughs> all this stuff, and and then and then it's like okay, now we got to go back and get her because they think she's dead in the ditch. Then they find out she's not, and then they're trying to figure out what to do at that point. Jay Moore is trying to kill her, but then he doesn't have the guts to do it. So they just throw her onto a parked car. <laughs> and it works. They get an ambulance for her, and she goes to the to the ER, and she wakes up Christmas morning, and she goes to work. She's fine. What a trooper. After getting her friend, uh, I can't remember his name, that passed out in, oh, the, Manny. in, the, in, in the wreckage. Oh, Manny. Yeah. Manny. <laughs> Manny, Manny, Manny. Yes. Uh, yeah. I didn't talk about Manny a whole lot because he gets he steals some of the E from you know Todd's stash that Rana buys. Uh, Todd is like, hey, don't take more than one of these because you're really gonna be fucked up, and he takes two. <laughs> uh, and then his hallucinations are fun. I have to say, <laughs> I think my favorite one's the, the cat. cat. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to die tonight. You are going to die tonight. Yes, that's probably my favorite. Xerxes. <laughs> Xerxes. Dead guy. Starts with an X. This guy. Dead guy, yeah. Um, Yeah, and then they end up leaving him, like, in, a, in a Manny in the alley of the rave because he's just so fucked up. And they, they, all, they all forgot about him until the next morning. Uh, Katie Holmes' character ends up walking home and goes to a diner where she runs to Todd, and where she was afraid of him twelve hours ago. Now they're making out on his stairwell, um, and then the bouncers show up to uh, to cockblock him, and and then this is where everything ties up because then they're mm-hmm. in the apartment. Todd is in the apartment, giving the bouncers directions to Simon's place, like handwritten directions. Like <laughs> you need to go down Wilshire, and then you need to make a left here because there's going to be construction. Very LA movie too. And uh, <laughs> uh, then they then Simon shows up, and then there's a lighthearted ending because he's like the bouncer dude's like, I just want justice, and we'll settle for just being shot in the arm. And the, the I like the the bouncer one of the bouncer guys he's like I can't do it I can't do it and the dad's like pissed like well can you, can you imagine kids if your these mom days. yeah kids these days can you imagine if your mom was here she'd be so disappointed you won't shoot a guy <laughs> and the best part is then he gets shot you don't see it it's off screen but you hear him go I'm well, okay I'm okay <laughs> yeah and then uh, yeah and then uh, the movie ends with Manny asking what do you want to do for New Year's. I'm surprised it wasn't the sequel, but maybe that's just too obvious. Might have been too obvious. Or it just didn't do very well. <laughs> they, they couldn't make a sequel. Um, but, yeah. So, in the, what I'll call the pulp fiction type genre, um, I say this is one of my favorites. What about you? Like, Absolutely, you know, yeah. This, this, is, this is probably... One of my favorite films. This is probably somewhere in my... I don't know where it ranks all time. It's it, it's probably not top 10. Mm-hmm. Is it top 20? Maybe. Top 30? Probably mm-hmm. for sure. It's it's. I love it that much. This was the type of movie that I, I watched a bunch. I got the soundtrack. I love yeah. the soundtrack. Soundtrack um, is great. Soundtrack's pretty solid. It's got mm-hmm. Steal My Sunshine on there. Which it is does? A, fantastic pop hit from from the late 90s in 19, addition to yeah i want to say it's got some fat boy slim fat it's boy got, slim no doubt yeah. Um, yeah oh great no doubt song yeah yeah uh a lot of techno stuff if you're into yeah. techno uh there's a natalie imbruglia song on here um i'm looking at the list on spot on the wikipedia um yeah there's a lot of great yeah a lot of great songs the soundtrack was fucking awesome throughout this whole movie i was i was digging it and, um, yeah, and another thing, too, I like about this movie is I like movies that take place on the same day. I sure. never know what that's called. That there's, like, a genre right. for it. 
So this, this is not what... a bottle episode, but something like that. Yeah, and 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 then the fact that also stuff interconnects with each other, and it's almost it's almost like um, I mean not quite, but kind of like Run Lola Run in that like it gets to a point and then it stops and then we go back to the beginning. But yep. in this film, we see it from a different point of view. Which is um, a great call because came out a year earlier, maybe even around the same time for the States. Mm-hmm. I love the shit out of Run, Lola, Run. Run, Lola, Run is a great film, too. I, Absolutely. I, I, I know I saw that at least twice in the theater. Mm-hmm. And then there was another one that I was watching a lot. And I got the soundtrack. I mean, my early 20s were were filled with these kind of movies that I just kind of went all in on. And I was like, okay, I love all these people forever. Like... I already knew Doug Lyman because of Swingers, but I was like, I'm all in on Doug Lyman after Swingers and this. I love, I, I still enjoy his Bourne movie more than any of the others. Yeah, because it went to Paul Greengrass after him. After yeah, him and... too much shaky cam for me. <laughs> yeah, Jumper, Jumper not so much, but you know, I've, I've en- mostly enjoyed Doug Lyman's career and always kind of root for him. And it goes for like all the people in this movie, more or less. I love mm-hmm. Tate Diggs. Came to know him from this. I was, it was it, Tay Diggs was like Oliphant, where I was like, "Why isn't this guy bigger? This guy's fucking great." <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's, yeah, they've both had fine careers, but it's like he's really good. But uh, yeah, Run Little Run was the same thing where I was like, "Okay, Franca Potente, I'm in on you forever because that movie's great." I, being someone now, we we probably discussed Pulp Fiction on this show, I imagine, right? It was the first episode we uh, yeah. did together. So, I'm already predisposed to kind of like movies that like that, even kind of the shittier ones. But when they're done well, it's like they add some element, any kind of, and you, I, as as I know, you and myself also love time travel movies. So yes. they're kind of in that same vein where it's like. I'm pretty much in for anything where it's time travel or disparate timelines interblended, but when it's done well, it's like a whole nother level, right? Yes. It's like Memento is the same thing. People will be like, Oh, but what if you put Memento uh, all just in chronological order? It's no good, but a, I disagree. But beyond that, it's like, it's just another one where it's, they just tweaked time and it's all the better for it. I 100% agree. Um, reading the trivia, and I don't, I, I don't know if I've seen this episode. There's an episode of The Simpsons that they based this movie on. Or I did not know that. Episode, it's not yeah, surprising Simpsons, after 75 seasons of The Simpsons. Yeah, so uh, apparently the episode came out in 2001, and the episode of The Simpsons is called Trilogy of Error. Huh. And it looks like we see things from Homer's point of view, from Lisa's point of view, and from Bart's point of view. I will have to check that episode out. I don't know if I've ever seen that. I'm gonna be honest. I'm reading the plot. I and I, that yeah. does not. That does not <laughs> sound familiar. So there you go. If you like this movie, go check out that episode of The Simpsons. Another thing I would recommend if you like this movie. So as I mentioned, I went all in on it. The mm-hmm. screenwriter John August, who wrote mm. Big Fish and has done a bunch of other stuff, but he's probably most known for Big Fish and this, and I can't remember one of the other things. Mm. He wrote and directed a movie that came out a few years after this called the nines which you might oh, have seen with uh, have seen? uh ryan, ryan ryan reynolds ryan reynolds and and melissa mccarthy it okay. was a it's a very low budget movie it's been i haven't seen it probably since 2008 or whatever but um it's it's weird but it's interesting god is involved and it's you know, another yeah. it's another one with like mixed up time or timelines, I can't yeah, remember for yeah, sure, yeah. but I recommend it. It's definitely interesting, even if people don't end up loving it. It's, it's. I mentioned it's low budget. It takes place like all in one house, I think, okay. maybe two houses. But uh, I still check it out, especially because Brian Reynolds is a bigger deal now than he was back then too. Back, yeah, because that movie was two thousand seven. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I've not seen it, but I, I have had that recommended to me a bunch, and um. There was actually another movie called The Signal that's sort of similar to what this I've looks like. Uh, it's 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 kind of like it's it's a movie done in three parts, uh, but it's about one big event that's happening, and we get like three different stories involving like all the characters that we've seen in the movie. Um, 
and one of the stories is more humorous than the other two. Uh, and actually, the one of the guys in there actually looks like Ryan Reynolds, oddly enough. It's not Ryan Reynolds, but it, he just kind of looks like him. Uh, but it's called The Signal. So, yeah, that was pretty good as well. Uh, any final thoughts, words, things we didn't talk about, touch on? Anything you want to say about Go before we wrap up here? Um. I always thought it was interesting that Sarah Polly went on to be known more as a director and maybe writer. Yeah, yeah, she has. And good for her. She's had yeah. a great career, mm-hmm. Academy Award nominated, but it's like, she's a really fucking good actress. She is a good actress. She was really great in this movie. And it's kind of a shame that she doesn't act more, didn't act more, just because you're like, there's not a lot of people that could have pulled this particular role off in the mm-hmm. way that she does. Mm-hmm. Uh, smart as hell, but also kind of disaffected slacker type. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's but also just super likable. Um, yeah, like, like her money, money hall quip and things yeah. like that. She's just <laughs> yeah, she's she's really great. This movie's just filled with charismatic people. Mm-hmm. Is what really what it comes down to. So if you like charismatic people, it's kind of hard not to love. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you even you even kind of root for the drug dealer guy at some point. You want him to get laid. Um, You're talking about Simon? No, I'm talking about uh. Or uh talking about Todd. Todd, yeah. Okay. You want, you want him to get laid? Yeah. So Simon uh, and and, and the, the Vegas guys outside of Tay Diggs are mostly annoying, but they're kind of well, intentionally yeah. annoying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were I, made I, to be that way. I've never been a big James Duvall fan. I think he's a pretty, <laughs> I think he's a pretty shitty actor. Oh, okay. Um, okay. But he doesn't really do much here, so it's fine. Yeah, he, he's like stuck yeah, in those a hotel guys. Room most yeah, of the time. him and Breck and Meyer, they're just they're just uh, stuck in a in a hotel room, and they don't really get to, they get to watch Telly Savalas talk about uh, gambling, <laughs> teaching them um, how to gamble, which is uh, which is just interesting all on its own feet. Because I'm pretty sure Telly Savalas has been dead for 20 years by 1999. So no, <laughs> I'm 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 kidding. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. So. I don't know when Telly Savalas died, but I'm I was joking. Yeah, this is a great movie. I don't think a lot of people really talk about it as much anymore. It is a cult classic. Uh, it definitely definitely has got like a little little following. Um, the sound, it was one of those movies I think was more popular for the soundtrack than it was the movie, which was pretty, you know, common thing for like nineties movies that didn't do well. Yeah. It was like, well, the movie didn't do great, but damn the soundtrack the soundtrack was fucking amazing. Go get the soundtrack. Um, cause that always seems to be the thing I've always remember hearing a lot. Like, yeah, I saw the movie go, it was okay. Oh, but that, you know, fat boy slim song on there. Ooh, <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, but I love this movie. Wonderful movie. But Jason, you do need to be honest hmm. uh, with your story. It was just Sudafed, wasn't it? <laughs> Dexatron. Um, no, I I wish it was. Or maybe I don't wish it was. It wasn't. It wasn't that bad. I just didn't want to do it ever again. It's one of those things. I'm like, yeah, I I'm good. I'm good. I don't have to do that ever again. I I never actually did. It ecstasy though i i, I kind of wanted to i just never really came up and i never tried hard enough uh but i did acid a bunch ah uh, not a bunch i don't never know. i've never five, done five five to ten times around the same era i cannot know, say or, that i have done acid so. early 20s and it's the same kind of thing where it's like do I want to do it again? Eh, probably not <laughs> especially <laughs> I, i'm sure it's somewhat equitable to to uh, e where it's like it might be even be more so from what I know. Um, it's a commit. It's like a twelve hour commitment at least. <laughs> it's, 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 your your whole night is. It's a situational thing because you can't just do it at home. That's just not no. going to work. You got to be at a at a gathering. There's got to be loud music. You got to be with people who's okay being touched, and you got to be okay with being touched. Um, and uh, you have to just not freak out. Which is what I kept telling myself. <laughs> Don't freak out. All right, I think that's all we got for Go. So go, go, check it out. It's a good movie. So many puns. It's so many puns. So Dylan, I want to thank you so much for being on the show for the fourth time. I look forward 
to having you on again in about two months, probably. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Just let me know what movies are coming up. Yep, yep, I'm yep. sure they're on my list. I'm sure they are. I'm sure they are. Uh, you have nothing to plug, so... Uh... I'd like to plug Rabbit Hole Podcasts. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, check, cool. Check it out. My, my friend Jason has put together this, pod, this network of, like, 7,000 different podcasts um and he's managing it all by himself so Mm -hmm. more people that are are listening the uh more money he'll have to uh hire help help yes absolutely i do pay for a graphic design person so there's that at least i don't have to worry about graphic design because i cannot i cannot draw to save my life so if anything if anything that's probably the one thing i do need to pay for is the graphic design because i cannot do that myself so smart anyway thank you for plugging rabbit hole podcast sure. we should we should plug the lamb you did create it technically so and it's still yeah. active so uh go to largeassmovieblogs.com dylan created it he's the reason why i do podcasting so i created jason he did he did indeed this is all dylan's fault if you ever were like annoyed with me blame dylan it's his fault uh, but thank you, Dylan, so much. Uh, thank you are you. you are fun to have on this show. So thank you, thank you, thank you. That's the bomb, yo. Ninety hella rad movies from the nineties is hosted, written, and edited by me, Jason Soto. I can be found on Twitter at famous comedian. Or you can email me any questions, comments, or concerns to rabbitholepod at gmail.com, spelled R-B-B-T-H-O-L-E-P-O-D. This show is a Rabbit Hole Podcast production. You can find this episode and several other great podcasts over at rabbitholepodcast.com. You can follow Rabbit Hole Podcast on Twitter at rabbithp. Also, you can support every Rabbit Hole podcast on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash rabbitholepods. For three bucks a month, you get early access to episodes and bonus content. Until next time, I'm Jason Soto, and remember, wear sunscreen. Copyright 2023, Rabbit Hole Podcasts, rabbitholepodcasts.com.